Gaming and BS episode 293 coming to you Monday, May 11th, 2020. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Glad y'all here. Welcome to the show, Brett. Hey, man. How the hell you been? I uh, cannot complain. You like that background? Now I see the background. That is um, that is old school. Mm-hmm. White. White. Plume. Oh, White Plume Mountain. There you go. Yeah. I go. am not very good at some of the old module covers. I There's only certain ones that I go, oh, yes, that one. And mostly those are, of course, the ones I've read or read repeatedly or run at some yeah. point in the past. There's but. some that I get, like, that, you know, Keep on the Borderlands, Isle of Dread, all the kind of standard ones all the time. Yeah. Sojacanth, just Athaganth, whatever it's called. Well, I think it depends on which cover. Yeah, some modules with different covers and so on. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Let's see here. You game it all this last weekend? Getting cool in? Between I, when we talked last and now? I played on Thursday, Mothership. How'd that go? Session Dose. The first was Session Zero. Correct. So this was like characters, action, go. Shit is hitting the fan for them. Are they, are they like going, <laughs> ah, fucking running around? What's going on? That's how it left off. So they awesome. weren't. They weren't. They weren't running. They, they weren't <laughs> running. They weren't running around. But uh, put it this way: they looked in on a monitor, kind mm-hmm. of a surveillance camera of a ship, and there was this uh, oogly boogly creature looking at the camera, hissing at them. And then like, I then I stopped the session. Like ah, that'd be fine. <laughs> I can have it. And they're like the fuck so they're they're on the bridge of uh, a ship oh and the ship that they came from the profit margin docked with this ship but for some reason it got ripped off so they don't have their mother sh- mothership haha <laughs> they don't have the profit margin docked to the alexis which Anymore. is what they are on yeah so they are nah. basically on, on, a hulk. on the alexis with something stirring and they've They've gone through most of the Alexis, not all of it, but uh, that's awesome. Yeah, they are. I know the secret now. I know. I know what the secret is, Brett. The secret is just to keep throwing shit at them until like there's just not enough shit to throw at them. When they're like, I can't keep juggling. Yes, yeah, they're like, how about how about one more? And this one's a chainsaw, and it's, and it's on fire. Yeah, nice. So that's that. And then this Saturday, I run. Um, I run Tomb of Annihilation online with with Jeff and the gang. Nice. Yeah. I did. Um, let's see. Last Tuesday, I ran my Streets of Avalon game for my home crew. That's fun. I uh, I have been using a nasty old school monster I've never used that I recalled from the Fiend Folio, which I've never used before. I'm not going to sit here and some strange chance that one of them might listen to it, but uh, I. There's no, they're not guessing it at all. I've been like clue bomb, clue bomb, clue bomb. Oh, that sure is weird. <laughs> no idea. Nothing happening. 
I have one player who I think might go, oh, yeah, I knew that. And I'm going to call bullshit as soon as they do that, if they do that, because there's no fucking way. Um, then I ran Trail of Cthulhu for AJ and Lana. They both ah, wanted to play something totally different. That's right. And uh, I put this out on on my Twitter, and it, it was fun. They had a lot of fun. Took, like, tons of copious notes, figuring stuff out. They come from different cities. They're in Arkham uh, because they've inherited the house one uh, from this old man. It was the grandfather of one of the characters and a fam- dear family friend of the other. And if they stay there for a year in the day, they get to own the house and all the money and blah, blah, blah. But they have to, they have to keep his huge occult library intact. They, he wants that thing protected and so on. They do some digging and searching once they get there, weird things. And, uh, Find out that he may have obtained some of those books through nefarious means. <laughs> Maybe he shouldn't have some of those books. And then uh, this guy, Wilbur Wheatley, shows up. Um, if you know the Dunwich Horror, he's straight out of there. And, and, but my kids have never read Lovecraft. Ever. They know about it. So I'm like, oh, this would be, I would be called a hack if I did this to anybody who knew the mythos. However... I'm going to do take a page out of my Stealing Cthulhu book and the shit Sean and I have talked about a billion times. I'm going to steal crap, names and ideas and, and so forth, and use it. And the kids love it. They think it's awesome. This crazy, super tall, angular guy who doesn't quite seem to fit his clothes named Wilbur shows up and, Ye'd best be giving me the book ye father stole from me. You know, and they're like, what? What do you mean? Ah, it's not my dad. I don't understand. It's my grandfather. I don't care. You know, it's that whole bit. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. And then it was uh, uh, Undermountain on Thursday that Alpha was running. I think I and one other person have avoided being cursed or nearly deaded. Everybody else is doing stupid ass shit. <laughs> what, are you, what, are you, what are you playing in Undermountain? What am I playing? Yeah. I am a half elf. Um, Arcane trickster, rogue. Hmm, I would not. Well, half elf, okay. I built this because my, he told us we're going to go in Under Mountain. It's a crawl. I built for 5e, to the best of my ability, the consummate underground scout. Oh, like foot, a, a, a 10 a foot pole, the tunnel whole rat. Bit. Yeah, I built yeah. a 10 foot pole, the whole bit. I swabbed the dungeons. I look for this, I look for that. And, uh, I ignore crap too, which I know drives a couple of the other guys in the group nuts. We're going along, you're like, well, we should investigate that. Now nah, it looks dangerous. Yeah, but I said, yeah, looks dangerous. Fuck that. And I leave. They're like, yeah, but this weird liquid on the sky trap, what is what is this thing? I'm not fucking with it. Well, maybe the key, I'm not giving you my key. Well, what if it works? What if it doesn't? No, I'm not giving you the thing I found. <laughs> Half the group is with Brett. They go, yeah, that looks stupid. Don't touch that. The other group's like, yeah, but I want to touch it. I want to. I'm like, oh, go ahead and touch it. I'm going to wait in the hallway. When you're done screaming, I'll come and tell you what you did wrong. So it's fun. <laughs> I actually am having a really good time with it because I like dungeon crawls. It's been a long time since I've done one. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of makes me want to run a dungeon crawl for our patrons next. Just as something that I haven't done. In you got to, I think you got to be in a really. You got to be in that mindset for dungeon crawls. Me, my, I do anyways. Like it's just, okay. So I think when you create and you're going to go on an adventure and Brett goes, okay, 
I'm going to run D&D 5e or whatever, right? Insert system. And you're like, okay, great. I'm going to make this kind of character. And then you go, and it's going to be a huge dungeon crawl. You're like, okay, I'm going to switch my character. <laughs> I'm going like, to make this other kind I'm, of character. Yeah, yeah. I think that is one of those pieces from a D&D trope perspective. We talked about bait and switch many times over the past six years. That can be a, uh Because yeah. some people don't care. I mean, you've got every gambit. Some people are like, oh, adjust, dungeon crawl. Oh, having fun. Right. Other people fucking hate them yes and if you don't tell the people in the group hey i've got a big idea and in the middle of this is a great big dungeon crawl <laughs> having bits of dungeon which i did in my outlands of avalon game with the, my home group not that long ago they had to travel places find things out outside politics politics who into this dungeon they were all short crawls in out the mines figure this figure that lots of cave-ins and helping them get to where they need to go without it being this expansive thing. So that was fine. Get in, get out, find clue, march on to the next thing. But generally speaking, if I, uh, I have learned over the years, don't surprise a group with, hey, guess what? I turned the, the politics of the uh, Forgotten Realms adventure we were doing, and now you're going to go into Under Mountain. And it's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> why, would, why am I doing this? <laughs> it can be very divisive. Yeah, nothing like creating a social bard and you're stuck in a dungeon for 10 sessions. Well, it's like, you know, we're going to be, if you tell everybody, Hey, make your character. That's great. And then, all right. In the deserts outside of, you know, in the realm of Greyhawk. And it was the deserts of Flan or whatever that are beyond the mountains, the crystal mist mountains. When you weigh that fucking middle of nowhere, um, where the rain of colorless fire landed, you're like, uh, so it's a desert game. Yeah. Well, I'd have maybe made someone who was kind of like a Bedouin or somebody who knew what the fuck they were doing instead of my dwarf who craves to fit, you know, mm, interesting. And sometimes I, mm, maybe it's a, go off change a little bit here, but I think because of the way we tend to, when we, we is the larger gamer, we talk about our games and stuff. Oh, we're, I have a pitch for the adventure or the campaign. I pitch the campaign. And you make a character to fit that campaign. Now, folks like um, uh, like some of our, our buddies, Kojo and other folks would say, well, Brett, actually, I wouldn't do that. I would sit down and make characters, and then you would have the adventure, old schooly style, right? Which is in- equally fun, but you have to come with that mindset. Say, hey, look, I sat down, I rolled up my BX character, and it turns out we're in a desert. Oh, cool. Can my guy be from this desert clan? Can my guy have this knowledge? Yes, 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 yes. But some people uh, don't like that very much. So uh, anyway, like I said, I from a... There's so many different ways to play a fantasy game. And if you spring the dungeon crawl trope on people and they are not ready for dungeon crawl trope, not so good. So anyway, Alpha did a good job, told us flat out, y'all going to be an undermountain. One character said, one player, I should say, said, what's that? I said, it's a huge ass dungeon crawl. I don't think we'll ever get to the end of it. Oh, all right. I'll try that. <laughs> so I have a question. I have a question for you. So sure. when you guys said, so the DM's like, "Hey, you're going to Undermountain." When in character in play, was it known? Like, did he make that known up front, or was yes. it okay? Because because in that case, you could easily say, like, we have a group that's been hired or to venture, and they are geared towards actually going into Undermountain because they're already aware of it. It's kind of like hiring a heist, a, a group of heist people, right, to go and rob a 
Vegas casino, Ocean's Eleven style. Yeah, and then accidentally showing up with a barbarian and, uh, you know, uh, something else. <laughs> like, why, why right. is... Why is the Navy guy here? Why is this? Why is the pirate here? Why do I have a right. Somali pirate for my ice game? Yeah, he told us, excuse me, up front. And first session, we started in the Yawning Portal, which is the big popular entrance. And we all had reasons. We did some digging ahead of time, what we might want to also find out, so on. We had good reason to be down there. And now we're down there. A couple of the players, I don't think, were as smart in how they made their characters. And they're finding that out now. <laughs> but the rest of us all went, huh, this is the shtick, huh? Let me let me just take a big bite onto that sucker and ride this thing, you know? Yeah. Anyway. So, so did, he have you, did he have you guys, somebody was asking if you had any interaction with Waterdeep or, or was it just the awning portal and then not off to Undermountain? We did not role play the, a whole lot the first night. It was kind of like, let's just get rolling. Yeah. And it was a classic, in my opinion, kind of a classic, you're at the gate of the dungeon, what do you do? You're at the awning portal, why are you here? We talked about it, we BSed around a little bit, and we're like, okay, let's go, let's get it done. Yeah. You know, we're, we're here to do the thing, and we all have a good reason to do it. Asked our questions, poked around, we could spend an entire, you know, the rest of our lives exploring Waterdeep. Why don't we, why don't we do what we came to, to game here? Let's let's do the adventure. I gotcha. Mr. So. Mr. Weeb was wondering. Yeah, it was fun though. Yeah, I I know enough about Waterdeep and its environs and the Forgotten Realms, and so does Nick. So between the three of uh, between Alpha Nick and I, we explained everything to everybody else where things what things are. Oh, this this clan, this group. Uh, someone mentioned something about Xanathar from an NPC perspective. What's that? It, it, look, we were we start off at fifth level, so I explained, hey, this is Xanathar, you know, so on and so forth. My character's a thief. I would understand this, and we. Uh, Shared a lot of shared a lot of knowledge that way, and even when we under un, uncover things in Undermountain that are very realm specific, I built my character um, to help me from to stop metagame cheating, which is a problem I've talked about before. I was a sage background in Five E, so I'm proficient in Arcana, and because I'm an Arcane trickster, I have plenty of magic ability. So what I do is Alpha will describe the thing about ah. Can I roll an arcana check to, to to let me guess? Yes, Brett. Go ahead. Clack. Is he a little musk creeper? Yeah. Yay! I thought it was. <laughs> but that way, I'm not being a complete douche. And if I fail my roll, which I have, he goes, yeah, you're just not sure. I'm like, yeah, man, you know, it could be or could be or could be or could be. I just can't tell by these tracks or whatever the case is. So that stops me from using the mechanic, a kind of a self-inflicted mechanic to keep me more honest. Because I, I know who I am and how I game, so there would be. Are you playing in anything? I'm not playing in anything, although I may... So there's there's rumor that I may be in a one-shot with Mr. Saul's Weedle running Mothership. Oh! Yeah, so I got... I got uh, got into contact with him and he's going to probably run a one shot for that. I'd say, yeah, absolutely. And then, um, I may play in Hobbs's low fantasy gaming RPG game that he offered up on the last episode to any BSers. We have about three that are interested 
and uh, I put it out to to patrons as of this recording. So I would imagine it'll be full of five people, and uh, I don't know when that's gonna. It's it's all gonna be dependent upon when it happens. Actually, like I can't play four or five games in one week, so. <laughs> God, I really want to, but I have a lawn that needs yeah. mowing and stuff that needs doing. Yeah, yeah. right. And fuck, I have a day job too. God, why do I have a day job? Why can't I? Anyway, yeah. Well, let's see here. Let's get into announcements real quick. Apart from the stuff we've been gaming with, there's Gamehole Con. Their event registration is up there. We got to talk about what we want to run for Gamehole Con. Yeah, because we've talked about kind of a gaming BS eventy thing. Does that make sense? Does it not? So on and so forth. But anyway, that's live. Gamehole Con, of course, is November five through eight. 2020 uh, and com. check it out kind of champions uh may 23rd to 25th that's coming up real quick i believe event registration is still open all proceeds go to help keep tabletop events live talked about that a few times um that's enough for that are we ready random yeah. encounter? let's, let's get in a random encounter random encounter segment of the show or field emails voicemails comments from social media in our forums you start i will start brett Brett defers. I defer. All right. First one, Erica Villa writes in about weapon damage. What's up, BSers? As the old saw goes, longtime listener, first time caller. Well, thank you, Eric. Oh, goddamn. Yeah, one of our patrons. I was listening to the weapon damage episode the other day, and you said, the other day, anyways, and you said something uh, that really struck a chord with me. Many players in modern period, RPGs, Top Secret, Twilight 2000, etc., want to get really, really crunchy about calibers, weapon types, rate of fire, and so forth. I've seen it. Yeah. So I've been a DEA firearms and tactics instructor for 11 years now. I think... Eric trumps any skill or knowledge I have in this arena. So I am all ears, sir. Think he can outshoot you, Brett? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Standing offhand with his uh, with his with his non-dominant hand with his dominant eye closed. Yeah, probably. Think he could dis- disassemble a pistol? Probably faster <laughs> than I can, yeah. That's like when I go shooting with my buddy Nick. X Army. He was he's I mean, he's, you know, combat vet blah blah blah. Sure. Like, hey, Nick, look at this. Bang. That's pretty good. Pow. Fuck you, Nick. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm not warmed up yet. Sorry. Yeah, I used to show off. Anyway, carry on. So he's been a DA firearms and taxes instructor for 11 years now, full-time shooting instructor for five of those years. I was also an Army Airborne Infantry Officer for several years, and I've got combat deployments to Afghanistan. Thank you for your service. Amen. Yes, very cool. This is not to boast, but to establish my frame of reference. I've been shooting at a very high level and teaching others to shoot for a very long time and not always at paper targets. The summation of my experience is that within certain logical boundaries, quote, the bow and arrow matter a lot less than the Indian. I've heard that before. A buddy of mine's father uh, taught, was a army. Um, God, he taught sharpshooting type of thing i it's just ages back when i was a kid that's just what i recall and uh mr owens said a very similar thing to me one day when i was complaining (laughs) it's not the uh, not the arrows boy (laughs) oh okay thank thank you sir all right the fact is most guns are more accurate right out of the box than the goon behind them yeah yeah i'll agree with that absolutely I've been told that this rifle or that pistol, quote, will hold two MOA accuracy at 500 yards, end quote. 
great but irrelevant because the human using that gun is almost certainly not capable capable of that same accuracy. The difference between one firearm in a particular class and another has generally more to you do missed with missed entire sentence. Did I really? Oh it's shit! Like giving I, this sure, is a good sentence. I don't want you to miss. I sure it. as hell did. Great but irrelevant because the human using that gun is almost certainly not capable of that same accuracy. It's like giving a teenager a Ferrari. They cannot drive that car to its maximum potential. Mm-hmm. The difference between one firearm in a particular class and another has generally more to do with user preference and training than the machinery of production. A great gun won't help a poorly trained shooter. Amen to that. Yeah, no kidding. Yep, I know that. Word up. I've been berated, lectured, and harangued. Harangued. Harangued, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. By shooting experts, with their shooting experts, with their assessments of comparative ballistic stopping power, this propellant combined with this bullet, you know what? It's most likely intellectual masturbation, entertaining, <laughs> but ultimately pointless and something to hide from your mom. <laughs> I love it. I am, oh my God. My hunting buddies, I say the same thing. Carry on. Keep going. This is awesome. I refer to that as. Wankery. Wankery, yes. This is definitely wankery. Wankery. All right. So uh, those who treat ballistics as paramount are often unfamiliar with the practical realities of tactics. Guys who get into gunfights for a living are not buying their own ammo and hand-loading cartridges. They use what they are issued and make it work. Issues of stopping power and long-range ballistic performance are far less important than shooter training. Because the vast majority of small arms engagements take place at less than 200 meters. This is true even in the desert. Wearing wearing glasses, I have better than 20-20 vision, and at 300 meters, I could barely see a man unless he's wearing a red shirt and doing jumping jacks. Fair. Most night vision goggles and IR aiming lasers won't allow you to distinguish a target even half that distance away, and aiming lasers have a bore off-site that limits their effectiveness at longer distances. Yeah. Yeah. I had this discussion with my buddy Nick. We were talking about sighting and so forth. And he said, yeah. So have you ever shot with night vision? I said, no. He goes, let me tell you what a pain in the ass this is and why. That's We went over this exact, like Dude, two days ago we talked about this. You wear night vision and you go to take a shit in night vision. It's like weird. It's just <laughs> off. Like it's your perception's off. Like, your perspective you know, is gone. Oh, it's just, it's it, Yeah. Uh, I think that the original version of Twilight 2000 got it just about right. They divided small arms into broad classes, pistol, submachine gun, assault rifle, light machine gun, etc. Between two guns of the same class, there's uh, functionally very little difference. In terms of getting the hits, the skill and training of the shooter matter far more than the gun they are using. In terms of damage, where you get hit matters more than what you're hit with. Getting shot with a 357 Magnum versus a 22 bullet, of course there's a difference. But between a 357 and a 45, the difference isn't so much that I'd waste time adjudicating it. In game terms, you got hit with the small caliber pistol or large caliber pistol. Leave it at that. So in game terms, if a player insists he is using a Remington R10 or an HK53, then I am fine with it. Whatever blows your hair back, troop. But as GM... I'm calling it a plain old battle rifle, and it will function and perform in game terms just like an FN, FN, FAL, or an SKS or whatever. By the way, your friend with the comment about clearing a structure with a sniper rifle was spot on. If a guy in my unit had ever gone to do that, I'd smack him a good one and tell him to climb a roof and pull Overwatch. (laughs) Sorry this went on so long, but it's a matter 
uh, I'm kind of passionate about, much to the dismay of my wife. Cheers, Eric. P.S. Many firearms instructors subscribe to a school of thought called the Equipment Sufficiency Paradigm. Once a piece of gear is acceptable to the level of skill of the shooter, additional bells and whistles would be better invested in practice. For example, if you've got 1,000 hours, spend 500 on a scope, $5 on training ammo. A guy who go, does that- 500 will, on scope, 500 on training. Oh, you five, $5. 500 on scope, 500 on training ammo. A guy who does that will go far, uh, do far better and last longer than a guy who buys a $1,000 scope but no training ammo. On the other hand, spending $100 on a scope and 900 on training ammo is just wasting $100 on a piece of crappy gear. Yeah. Hey, Eric, I think you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Pow, what's that? Oh, there's Sean. Eric doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. (laughs) I'm just reason. The reason I'm giggling through this and I'm like giddy here is whenever I listen to a professional talk about something, I'm like, oh, I thought this. Oh, this is a belief I've held. And this is somebody who really knows what they're talking about. I'm like, oh, my God, I, I, I feel vindicated that I thought this thing. Um, my friends and I, my hunting friends, my my gun nut buddies, my friends, we, we chat about firearms and, and whatever. This is the type of position I've held, but I don't have this level of experience or training or expertise to back it up. It just seemed to make more sense. And, uh, yeah, it is, it is interesting how people want to get. So take all that, all that cool stuff that Eric. Uh, gave us there and shared. So thank you very much, Eric. A lot of good data. And then applying it to things like swords and so on. Yes. Getting hit with a two-handed sword hurts like a motherfucker. Getting hit with a two-handed axe probably hurts like an equal motherfucker. It leaves, maybe it leaves a different style wound, but it still fucking hurts. Right? And there's a... there, Especially when it comes to firearms and so, on, so forth. Classes of small caliber, large caliber battle rifle, big gun, small gun. Examples of each could be fun, as I think as we talked about before, because if you have that, then people can get noodly by naming stuff. Oh, it's an SKS. Oh, I always wanted one of those. Yeah. What, what does it do? Oh, it's like a large rifle. Oh, that makes sense. You could just write large rifle. No one would give a shit. But you get to write SKS on your sheet, and that's really neat for you. And that's cool. And that's fine. It's totally fine. But it, fine. It, is, it is funny when you'll, you will have people have arguments at the game table. If you haven't already, I'm surprised. Probably will. That a, there's no way a dagger would. You couldn't possibly with a falchion. There's uh, an axe wouldn't do that. Um, a 22 can't kill anybody. Uh, a 38 special isn't as powerful as ad nauseum. It just goes on and on and on. So I like Eric's. I like the cut of his jib. I like the uh, I like that approach. I I'm, glad, I'm glad sense. we did a topic just for him to write in. <laughs> is it mine? That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Kinda, that's, that's what we do. We're t- like 290 episodes trying to find out exactly what topic will provoke somebody to write in. I need a professional who knows something about this. Let's see if we can get them talking. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks, Eric. All right. After that, going back to episode 284, Innovation, Noble Mutant commented in our forums, a quick thought after listening to episode 284. All the suggestions cater to players and GMs with without physical challenges. What about the deaf, blind, etc. type of participants? I recently purchased a Braille dice set. You'd be astonished at the size of a Braille game book. Audio, video, and technology requirements may actually be may actually set up walls to more and easier playing. Still, an important and interesting episode. 
And holy shit, we did not talk about that really. No, we didn't. Innovations. We we may have hinted at it around. I can't. I'd have to go back and listen to the episode. But we don't. We sure as hell didn't address it. And I think that's valid because while we're talking about innovations and stuff, man, there are people who who want to play that are hearing impaired. You, um, I have friends of mine that have hearing aids that um, I've been gaming at tables with at conventions, and um, somebody across the table is whispering and they they can't hear. You know, just the the fact that you have that you need to do different things for different people. Um, that's a blind. That's a blind spot. It it's is. A, but it's a blind. Um, and I don't mean that to be pun intended, but literally a blind spot that that most people have. Like we just we don't. It's we just don't. We are not experienced with that, so therefore we we don't think of that. It, it's not not the same, but a similar thing that my group does. So we have two gentlemen who are disabled. Um, both have really bad knees or hips. Uh, one guy we're trying to convince him finally get his damn hip replaced because he think he needs it done. Uh, that's what his doctor's telling him. And we got all the people. So because of that, when we pick the location that we're going to play, we make sure that there's easy access to it. If there's a set of stairs going down the Alpha's basement, it's easy to go down, easy to come up, handrails in place, the whole bit. Because we have two gents who game with us who've got some physical problems. It's not a wheelchair. It's not blind, right? It's not deaf. But I think we will find that we actually do a fair amount of things, even for my gamer buddies who are hard of hearing. Um, we will do things to help facilitate those folks. Wouldn't it be nice in more extreme cases where you're legally blind, deaf, or any other format, any other um, challenge like that, that there was a really cool tool out there, a great innovation to help get that person so that they could participate even more so. That would be really cool. Because I think we naturally, when we're gaming with people we, we love and we really like and want to hang out with, we do a lot to help each other out. But man, it would be really cool if we had some kick-ass gaming tools. Well, man, just, I don't know, how about a convention that has an interpreter on hand? Oh, like for uh, sign language. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> that, that could be cool. Pricey probably, but man, would that be worth it? God, that'd be. Yeah. That'd be slick. Yeah. I mean, there's there's folks I've seen doing uh, role playing games on Twitch where they'll have closed caption while they're they're running, which is something we could do. I mean, that's something surely we I could implement. But it it is it's. I mean, it's mostly hit. But there are times when it can get a little, I mean, the, the language interpreting or the translation can be off. Yeah, no, I get it. can be off, but yeah. it's still, it, I think Noble Mutant has a good point here. It, it is interesting when we talk about things that would make our gaming experience, <coughs> excuse me, interesting or fun or more fun or more interesting than it already is because it's freaking awesome. Gaming is awesome. Yeah. Obviously. But man, that, that would be a great place to be able to spend some time. And, and development money. So thank you. Very good point. And uh, I'm glad you called that out. Yeah. Over Bruce, you, sir. Bruce, Bruce C., Bruce Cunnington from the UK, also comments on the same forum topic and episode. This is a really interesting subject uh, about the innovation in gaming. Now, I'm not a developer of any kind and have only a layman's understanding of most of this tech, but I could see all kinds of challenges and only a relatively small audience for a new online publishing format for RPGs. I'd love to see it happen, though. 
Let's just imagine you get can get that perfect solution together that allows publishers to combine text, images, video, hyperlinks, maps, layered maps compatible with a wide range of virtual tabletop systems, tokens for the same, sound effects, and music. How would you market it? Do you keep it for your own RPG product, assuming you're a publisher? That would be narrow-minded and likely to lead to a more fragmented marketplace. Would you license it to other publishers for a fee? Maybe, but bear in mind that many RPG publishers are tiny do-it-yourself operators. Would you make it freely available in the hopes of this becoming the new format and effectively replacing PDF or other books? Awesome. But then you have to swallow a pretty hefty development cost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a great idea, but I suspect the cost of developing the perfect solution may mean we're stuck with PDFs for a while yet. Incidentally, Purple Sorcerer's DCC, your Dungeon Crawl Classic modules, are really great in PDF. Most come with an appendix that contains fluff intended for printing, paper minis, maps, often with and without battle grids and handouts, but it's also relatively easy to grab images and use them to make tokens and maps for online play. Bruce. That's good stuff, Bruce. And I think you're right. It's it's interesting because we will often, when Sean and I talk about it, it's very easy to, and we said this, at least we tried to, it's easy to say, it's a wish list. Like, what would I like to see? And yeah, I mean, I could, if I were Wizards of the Coast and I had this budget to make this incredibly, all, everything that Bruce has lined out, it does all of this. I'm not going to give that to Paizo. I'm not going to give that away, right? Or or would you? Or should you? D&D <laughs> Beyond, man. But I'm just saying dis- business decisions versus what's good for the hobby. And, oh, good good Lord. There's decisions and discussions. That's a... That's a mini. That's a mini whiskey discussion right there. I think that's could be pretty intense. But good points. Very D- good points. D and D Beyond is actually a bad example. I should stipulate like Lone Wolf software. Yeah. Right. They're doing multiple system stuff, but they still out there. I haven't. They are. I haven't looked at their stuff in forever. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. So thanks everybody for writing in and commenting. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Gracias. Muchos. Uh, let's get into the main topic, Brett. Yeah, let's move on. Main topic. All right, Brett. So I got this idea because because this has been happening to me for a while. It's been creeping back in, and I had to have this discussion with my kids in the la- in the last time we played D anD D together. And then I pointed them to the skilled dogpiling video by Matt Colville. And I'm like, hey, he talks about bits and pieces of this, but not the same way we do. So I wanted to come back at it. And this is basically retrying the the piling on the skill checks. The, oh, I do that too. I search for secret doors. You don't find anything. Oh, I try. Well, I have that skill. I try it. Well, okay, we really got to find this out. So, you know, Lothar of the Hill people will roll a clack. I got a natural 20. I know I have a minus two on Arcana checks because I'm a barbarian, but I got a natural 20, just so you know. Oh, so yeah, I know that. But the fucking wizard who, cha- who studies Arcana his whole life, yeah, he didn't get shit. <laughs> ah! So, I think skill dogpiling, if you don't deal with it in one way, shape, or form, can be destructive in a game. And I, from my perspective, the challenges or the problems that... <sighs> That it causes is niche protection can go out the window. Some people don't give a fuck about niche protection. Okay, fine, I dig that. But how about spotlight hogging, 
player having no. It, if my dice are hot and Sean's dice are cold, why even let Sean roll? I'll just roll all your dice for you, right? You're the wizard. How about, but, you know, I don't need you because everyone else can check for Arcana too. I don't need you because everyone can search for secret doors. That special ability that you took that you thought was really cool, you know, your elf being able to check, find secret doors, you know, three out of six, who fucking cares? Everybody can find secret doors. Just keep rolling enough six-sided dice until you find it. And which is the other one, right? I tried to pick the lock. You failed. Well, I'll just keep trying. Why did you make them roll? Why are we doing this? So, yeah, this one, this one's going to stir some emotions. Yeah, and I think for me, the examples, I, I tend to go to D&D for my examples. But I can tell you, man, even in a modern game, in a Cthulhu game, any type of game where there's investigation, people think that, oh, information is on the line. Yes. Not just progress. They're like, I got to find this out. Right. And nobody wants to fucking fail. And I get it because if you don't, and if the game master has set the stakes right and she's got you wound up and you're like, man, if we can't figure this out, her plot's going to eat us alive. We got to sort this. I don't want to miss it. Right. Or I have to steal myself for the fact that, you know, ah, fuck, we missed it. She got us good that time. Damn, man, we had it. But she kicked our ass or, or whatever. It can be tough. And, you know, picking locks. Listen, hearing noise, searching for secret door, searching for anything, searching for could be synonymous with um, talking to, schmoozing, anything, anything, quite frankly, that's not combat related. And I almost wonder some days if it is almost stems from the weird combat thing. I attack the goblin. I miss. Well, I'll attack the goblin, too. I hit him. If it's this weird holdover <laughs> in our heads, like we can all try the thing, right? But we got to separate that. And I think um, those are some examples I've got. Sean, do you have anything in a recent game or anything that's come up to you that's hit you? Um, n n other than D&D &D 5e, running Tomb of Annihilation, no, not really. Mothership, it hasn't really come up because in that game, yes, it's kind of OSR-ish, but you still have a little bit of skills. And, you know, a Marine, I, and I think the group that's, uh, that I am playing with, I think kind of get it right. They, the Marine and the scientist are two different types of people. And while the Marine might be able to be like, Oh man, that cut's got to hurt. I'll just put my hand on it where the scientists might have some medical background and be able to address something more severe. Great. But I think the players themselves realize like, I am not, I'm not playing the scientist I should let the scientists do the sciencey stuff. Bingo. There is. Hey, I hey, think. Hey, props to my mothership group. Hey, amen. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> I Shout don't out, know. boys! <laughs> I don't know if it's like I said. It's it's almost a player thing versus a game thing, and sometimes it becomes some players have it in their. They honestly are not trying to spotlight Gog. They're not trying to be assholes. I have had players like, well, I try to. Well, I'll do that. Yeah, I do that too. Can I, Well, I get a lot of can I. I do I, I do get a lot of can I try. Can oh, I I've try? heard a lot of I do this. Sure. So, I, which gets Brett cranky because don't tell me what to do. Um, so, so-and-so is trying to pick the lock. Well, I do it too. You can't both pick the lock. Well, if he fails, I'll just do it. No, you're not type of thing. 
I would much, would you, okay, question. Would you much rather have them assist? Like, hey, I try to hold the flashlight. This is what I want to get to here. So I think the challenge here is because let's take the, let's take the asshole out of the, out of the mix because the asshole is a different problem. The person who's in injecting themselves and fucking with it and always trying to never lose, always trying to spotlight hog. Oh, seems like there's a lot of Arcana checks. I'm going to check Arcana too because yeah, I rolled and I rolled a five. I rolled a 10. I got double zeros. Or what, you're like, I didn't even ask you, what are you fucking rolling for? Then they get indignant that you don't authorize the roll that they made without your request. Blah, blah, blah. Can be weird. Let's throw that asshole out. In my opinion, a lot of times players, they're actually just trying to help. They want to keep the plot moving, right? They're like, oh my God, we're going to get eaten by the monster outside the mothership. <laughs> if we don't fucking figure this out, I want to help. And because we want to help, we jump in like, oh, how about we try? Oh, I'll try this too. I'll try to hold the door. I'll do blah, blah, blah. One of the things I've started doing to fix this is um, is looking at all the teamwork, all the chip-in mechanics for the game. If you do teamwork, do you get advantage? If you do teamwork, do you get a plus five? So then I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. Y'all trying to hold the door open so that the scientists can sneak through before the Xeno eats them. Got it. Which one of you is taking the lead? What do you mean? That's the one who's rolling the dice. Okay. Okay, I'm the strongest. I'll roll the dice. Okay, who's aiding? All right, Becky's aiding. Good. You get to add plus X to this die roll. Okay, but how? Jesus. How? Hope this is good. I know. But does how? the game does the game have mechanics for it? Use them. I know, but I'm saying how how are they aiding? Right? Like yeah. So oh, yeah, describe it. What are yeah. you doing? I I grab the other side of the door and heave on a little bit, or I tie a rope, or I. Yeah, give me a descriptor, man. Something, Tell me what you're doing. Something other than I help. I assist. I'm, ass I'm assisting. I assist. Yeah, I remember helping my dad change brakes on a car when I was a kid. I, I did that because <laughs> I wanted to. I was less than helpful, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that could be. That's another way to play it, right? Yeah, you could be the, <laughs> could be the nosy little kid who drops the lug nuts and you can't find them. Yeah, you could be that kid. Right. Yeah, but. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be fun. That, would, that could be kind of fun. I want to help too. Get the fuck out of here, Junior. Because back in three, oh right, they had to roll. They had to roll above a ten to see if they could assist, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't think anybody. Oh, they don't assist. They don't help. They don't get a plus two. Mm -hmm. You know, versus oh, you don't assist and you actually freaking hinder the whole thing. Like yeah. oh yeah, you're changing the the tire on the car. You can't find the lug nuts. Ah, yay. Why? Because Junior dropped him in the snow. Because <laughs> right. he's an idiot. <laughs> Stupid kid. Can't yell at him. My wife will kill me. Anyway, I think the having the teamwork mechanic, if your game, if you say, huh, I don't know if my game has one. I bet you have the same problem Brett did. was like, I need to fucking look it up. I bet you it's there. And I skimmed over it when I read the goddamn rules, which I did. Or... If you can't remember what the exact one is, fall back to your core mechanic and say, how do you normally give a bonus to something? What is the most common way to get a bonus? Is it advantage? Is it a plus? Is it lowering the difficulty? What do you normally get? You can even look directly to your combat for a way to figure out how to use the core mechanic to give aid in one way or another. The key is that you don't want to have... Or you could do something like, look, um, you both have to roll whatever strength check to hold the door open. And if one of you fails, 
it 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 go it it closes. You you both have to do it. One of you can't just do it. Well, what if he doesn't help? And then I just try and I roll really well. Okay, well then that kind of yeah, you can get in these weird if then yeah but type of things. So the other thing I've I've done in the past, I want to drag this back out next time I run the uh, I run this type of encounter is when it happens, I say, look, you can you can do this if you fail. And then, or I shouldn't say if, then let, let it happen. If they succeed, great, perfect, awesome. You guys got it. Great. You held the door. The scientist is through. The slams in the Zeno's face. Let's say you failed. You fucked up. Well, there's a couple things that can happen here, folks. Scientist gets killed. You shut the door in his face. It slams shut. Out of your slippery fingers, boom, done. Or you, big bulky guy, you're going to pull your right shoulder out. You're going to take five points of damage. You're going to strain your back. You're going to half your movement. You know, you give them, this is kind of an homage, if you will, sometimes, and I know Apocalypse World does this in places and other game systems do too, but it's the um, it's the penalty. And I think it would almost be like uh, if you were Savage Worlds, it'd be like, uh, you failed? Give me a Benny. Aw. Light side, dark side? Give me one of those. Give me a light side point, right? If this was a Cypher system, I'll let you have that if, you, if, I, if I get a GM intrusion. You have these mechanics, and this is a great time to ratchet up that tension because if you're at a point where you're we're helping each other, it should be tension-based, at least in that type of example. Hold the door, blah, blah, blah. Now, those times, in my experience anyway, I find that actually goes pretty well. It's tense. Oh, my God, we're trying to hold the door. Stop the Xenos. Oh, my God. Everybody's kind of ready to go. But, Sean, how about those times when there's really nothing at stake? Right? I need to, the the door's locked. You know there's nothing on the other side. The door's just locked. Right. I got to pick the lock. Yeah. I picked the lock. Which is one of the reasons I loved back in the 3035, you could take 20. Can I take 20 on this? Take 10. Take 10. Take 20. Which basically meant I'm going to do it. Right? Well... You will succeed out of 20. I'm just saying the idea yeah. behind it was that you have time. And we've chatted about this a little bit before, where if you have time, anybody can climb a cyclone fence within reason. Yeah. And that's the whole thing with taking 20 is you had to have time. If you didn't have time, you couldn't take 20. Yeah. Right. So if you have a case where you've got a lock and you have essentially all the time in the world to figure out how to pick it right. and disarm the trap. It comes down to make your rolls, both of you, use your aid mechanic, whatever it is you do, the amount of success or failure equals the amount of time either saved or wasted by dicking around with a thing you couldn't sort out or you sorted out quickly. Another time, another thing to do is like, look, the scientist needs to be the scientist, right? And the Marine needs to be the Marine in your mothership game. When the scientist walks up and does the scientist thing and there's no pressure, Give it to him. Oh, yeah, you're the scientist. You're super skilled. No one's holding a gun to your head. The Xenos isn't trying to eat you right now. The ship isn't on fire. Yeah, you got it. You find out what the doctor who died in this room is working on. It's right there. It's in his, it's in his notes or whatever the case is. You don't have to have people rolling all the time to find stuff, especially if there's plenty of time to look. In If you take a tip from our, old, from our OSR discussions... You know, if you're if you're searching a room for something, 
if you tell me where you're looking, you might find it. I don't always ask you to roll in an OSR game. Sometimes the, the mechanic for the room in a module might say a one in six chance of locating or a two in six chance or something along those lines. But otherwise, if it's a, it would often say, and we've done this before, where if you search under the bed, you'll find the key. You search the bureau, you find the file folder, whatever the case is. So it's more of you can invoke that kind of component saying, what are you doing? How are you doing it? There's no pressure. Why do a roll? Does that make sense, Sean? It does. And I will say that if I, I approach this in one of two ways, and I don't know if it's always the way I've done it, but I most recently have made a conscious effort where if they do something and and it's kind of a specialized guy, right? Scientist is going to do scientist-y stuff, right? Jared's character is going to, he's, I think he's got a background in biology, chemistry, and whatever. And if it is something related to that and it is not going to make a huge difference whether they pass or fail, they're just going to know. Yeah, why not? I mean, sometimes players ask questions or they want to know something has no relevance. Like, it doesn't matter if they know or, or don't. If they, You know, they may think it does. And you give it to them and they're like, oh, okay, that must hold the key. And it's like, it really doesn't. But let, I, them, uh, let them think that, right? Just yep. My buddy Zave is famous for that. We'll be, I was doing, a, I can't remember what the hell it was. It was a my bad magic game. And... I described something, and then later on, it was a liquid. We come back, and, and Zave goes, is this the same blue? I said, what? <laughs> is it the same color blue liquid as that other guy? No. Oh. Okay. Ah. He sat back, stroked his, literally stroked his beard, and went, interesting. Yeah. And he thought he was on to something. Right. It fucking did nothing. I just that. happened to pick blue that time. Yeah, could have been red or purple. <laughs> could have been red, know. purple, pink, indigo, don't yeah. care. Yeah. It didn't matter. But he's literally, huh? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> he leaned back in his chair, like, I got you, Brett. I'm like, all right, you, you think you got what you got there, big guy? That turned out to be irrevel- irrelevant. And later on, he goes, damn, I thought I had it. Right. You know, which is fun. Yeah. But so I either let them go ahead and do it. Uh, what's my other option? Um, uh, shoot, I can't remember. I think I just, I will give them the info. Without him, let them roll. Like, if it doesn't truly matter whether they succeed or fail, like, you know, on this one ship, the crew the, uh, that's gone on the Alexis, you know, it says, hey, the, bulk, the bulkhead doors, right? That you got to open all of them. Eh, you have them roll the first few or you have them roll when they're being chased. But eventually they're going to, I mean, it's a strength check. I, don't, I mean, I imagine there's five of them. Somebody's going to make a strength check to open a bulkhead door. Otherwise, if they can't open it, maybe they don't get in that room. Maybe I don't know. It's a matter of time. It's exhausting. Sometimes it's a it's a check. It's a strength. Give me two strength checks. Okay. All right. So you got the first two. The third one was a bitch and a half. You just could not. You finally wedged it open. There's a crowbar holding that one. You can't get any further than that. The rest of them opened up just fine. Then you make a note. Ha ha ha. Second pod bay doors hold open with crowbar. They're fucked later. Ha ha ha. You can do that. Um. And the reason you're doing that is because it makes it go faster, which is, in my in my opinion, can be very advantageous. And it stops skill dogpiling. It makes it important. You can say, I need four, four strength checks. I don't care which one of you does it. If you each want to try one or one guy rolls it four times, but I need four. No more than four. Okay, cool. Clickety-click, clickety-click. This is what we got. Great. 
all th- like I said, all four are open. There's a crowbar in one. That's where you're at. Okay, cool. We've talked about this before, kind of alluding back to our GM rolling dice checks. Sometimes the other way to stop this type of skilled dog piling shenanigans is the game master rolls. Tim Deshane, as I pointed out before, did a wonderful job in our Astonishing Swordsman Sorcerer Hyperborea game. If you have a game like that, you can do that. That works fine. And you get the shit you can do it in a lot of games. Like, okay, I do this, good. And then even if somebody's like, well, I want to help. Sounds good. I can add a bonus. I can do whatever as I do behind the screen. Or however, I can check. Um, the other piece that kind of goes in with the um <clears throat> only if it matters perspective and helps with the dog piling or the constant rolling of dice that make no sense is like, look, the group has told me that I'm sneaking down the dungeon in Undermountain. Okay, everyone's sneaking as best they can. I'm watching them on roll 20, in this case, where my buddy is. And you can see we all have dynamic lighting on, so you can see where we're going and how we're going there. And the rule is, I'm the scout, so as soon as I bump into something, Alpha goes, all right, give me your stealth and your uh, hide checks. Okay, click. I roll a perception check to see what I see. I roll stealth to see if I'm hiding or whatever. In short, you're only rolling when it matters, even in such a case. I don't roll hide in shadows, move silently 15 times to go down a 30-foot hallway. I roll it at the end of it or just as I encounter something because effectively I've snuck up on it, right? That's the idea. I've snuck up upon the goblin guards at the end watching the, you know, the chest in the 20 by 20 room. I sneak up on them. They shouldn't even know I'm there because I'm so damn stealthy. Make the roll. Depending how bad you fuck it up, they may have heard you 30 feet back when you started cussing at the dwarf because he's too loud. They may have heard you halfway. They may have heard you just as you walked in the door. That's a wonderful little narrative thing you can throw in there. But instead of the other thing that, so the reason I'm bringing this up is if you, some people love rolling dice. And if this is not your bag, as Sean, I've always said, ignore our shit. That's totally fine. However, I have found that if I limit die rolling to important events, then I get less random die rolling. Oh, I try that too. I try that too. Oh yeah, I roll too. I roll too. Got 15 people throwing dice. You know what I'm saying? That could be tricky because then when you're asking for rolls, people are going to be like, oh, this is this is an important one. It can be. Yes, it can right? be Because it could trigger yeah. that like, oh, there is something behind this wall. Yeah, it can. But when I'm talking about like a stealth check, it seems to make sense to me because you would know if you were spotted. Perhaps. Again, is it right for every case? I don't necessarily know. But it's a thing I've done. And I found works pretty well sometimes. Or instead of doing that, say, look, you've got a 30-foot hallway. Give me two rolls. That's all I need. Click, click. Good. Moving on. See, on those sneak checks, I have them roll that stuff, even if it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. That, but I'm, yeah. I'm saying, you instead of saying if it does matter, then you say, abbreviate it. Instead of saying, give me a roll. You move 10 feet. Roll again. Move 10 feet. Roll again. Move 10 feet. <sighs> so I, this is the way I did it. When I was growing up, because I played the consummate thief in AD&D. That was my, when I filled the the party role, it was thief. That was me. And I would, and I think I played mostly a halfling thief. So I always had the jacked up, you know, racial abilities and, and skills. So I 
go spe- specifically going through typically a dungeon, I would have the method down. So I would tell the dungeon master, so say there's a corridor and it's 60 feet long. I'd say, okay, I'm going to go up alone. You guys all stay here. And so the DM would be like, okay, you're going up alone? Yes. All right, what are you wearing? I'm wearing leather armor. I leave all my metal crap behind, whatever, whatever. So I would say, okay, from here to here, I roll silently, right? Is that all right? Because sometimes you're right. Dungeon Master would be like, well, I'll roll for the first 30, then the next 30. I would just say, I'm going to, from here to here, I'm going to move, and then I'm going to roll, move silently. DM's like, okay, give me a roll, side roll. Then I would say, I would hide in shadows. Okay, give me a roll, hide in shadows. Get to the corner. Okay, then I'd be at the corner. He'd say, all right, it takes a left. And then it goes down another 30 feet. And I go, okay, I hide in shadows, move silently. So I would do it for like segments of the dungeon. Not, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, segments of the dungeon. Anytime like there was a corner and I'd, like if I stopped. If yeah, I stopped gave, and wanted to pick up. What gave your character up? pause where you'd right. have to reset? Yeah. Yes. And the reason I'm bringing this up as, as a way is because when you talk about skill dog piling or retrying and retrying, if you have a method and you're doing this thing, then... The people that are following your rogue are keeping your, your thief is out front doing a scout piece. The rest of the people are behind not to disturb or impact or infect the, the dice rolls, right? So they're letting people roll the dice that are really good at that. That's their thing. That's their shtick. That's their, they're the sneaky Heidi person. Um, I really think, you know, if I go back to the hardcore kind of uh, the, the try retry piece, the other thing that I think. Alpha did a good job of it started to creep in a little bit in our Honor Mountain game. And I asked Alpha, I said, hey, is this how you want us to do this? Because I'm like this, if I was game master, it just pissed me off. And Alpha's <laughs> a pretty easy going dude. He's like, you know what, Brad? I think you're right. Let's not do this. How about you? Whoever's taking the point could get advantage if someone helps them. Okay. He's like, it's got to be somebody qualified. All right, cool. So Zave's character, who's Ranger equally sneaky, really good perception. So if he and I are looking around and tearing through stuff, he's giving me advantage or I'm giving him advantage and so forth. If it's Arcana checks, it's usually me and Nick's character, Little Sorceress. So we're going back. If it's other stuff, it's um, Lenny and blah, 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 so on and so forth. And it works great. So instead of going down, I search, I didn't find anything. Well, I searched too. No. It's, did you help him? No. And we talked about it a little bit and Zave and I kind of went back and forth. And I said, you know, man, I think it kind of comes down to this is we're, do you not trust me? He goes, no, that's not it. I just don't want to miss it. I said, well, look at it this way. If you walk down here and I said, Hey man, is there any salt in the kitchen? You said, now we're out. I believe you. I'm not going to go search around to see if there's actually any salt in the kitchen. He goes, yeah, that's a good point. So there was a time when I got out a little bit farther than I should have, I came back. They said, did you find anything? I said, nah. And I'm pretty sure we missed a secret door somewhere under a mountain. But I went, well, you know what? We trust the scout. Why would he hasn't let us down? We're sixth level now. He has not let us down. Let's just go. He's the resident expert. He's the resident expert. So yeah. the whole group is doing what your mothership group is doing. And it's not like my crew is is like, oh, we for, you know, oh, we oh, we have to be reminded constantly. But sometimes it's good to have this discussion up front when it happens. You know, when you start to see the skill dog piling come in as game master or as player, just so, okay, time out, time out, time out. Is, does everybody get to try to open every door or are we using the teamwork mechanic? And believe you me, 
there's a lot of times when everyone goes, oh yeah, there's a teamwork mechanic. At least that's what I've experienced in multiple game groups with lots of different players. For whatever reason, the teamwork mechanic is very rarely top of mind. If you've got it, bring it up. If there isn't one or no one can figure it out, say, well, can I get like a plus three? Okay, if it's a strength check, can I get Ragnar the Strong's plus four strength bonus to this? Or should he roll it and I give him my plus two strength? Yeah, let's do that. You can house rule this shit. It's not, it's not a problem. If you can't find the damn teamwork rule today, look it up for next time. Or if you're like, you know what? We like what we've done. Go with that. But I think it lets the, lets the star be the star of the right moment. And even if, well, anybody can hold, hold open the door. True. However... The character who's the super strongest, Eileen's super badass character, who's the baddest fucking space marine the space has ever fucking seen, she grabs that door. She's taking lead. I might be helping, but she's in lead. She's doing the work. I'm just giving her a boost because she's badass and I'm not in this regard. You know, so there you go. And I, I think it's another another way to say, look, who's got lead? Sometimes is a is a comment you can make. Who's leading the the examination? Who's leading the who's rolling the die on this one? Instead of not how many of you are rolling, it's which one of you is rolling. Which can be fun because sometimes you get the characters, but well, we're both equally wussy. Um our rogues are pathetically weak. But we gotta try to do this. Uh Shawnee, your dice hotter than mine. Well, I'm, I think I'm due. All right, dude, you must be due. Fuck you, man. You still can't roll for shit. That, you know. That type of, that fun, at least this fun for me at the table can happen. But, uh, so does that make sense to you, Sean? I don't want to keep belaboring that piece, but. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, I think you gotta, you gotta call it all up front though. But I, I get, I get my group with Jeff, I think still skill pile a little bit, but you know, I kind of let it roll off the back a little bit. I mean. It's not too terrible, bad, terribly bad to the point where I'm just like. Do you do the really old school out. way of you just ignore the people whose dice you don't care about in the check? Because <laughs> that's a method. I won't tell Jeff if you do that. I promise. But that's a thing too. You can do it. And I've no, I have done it, and I know other people who have done it too. When you have that person who's always, I do that. Yeah, I try that too. Well, I do that too. I do that too. Yeah, you find nothing. Oh, wow. I just can't seem to find anything. Uh-huh. You're being a dick. That's it. That's kind of the passive-aggressive, like, you're being a dick answer, right? But I have seen that, and I have, I will admit, I have indeed done that in the past with a player where I'm like, look, I don't I don't want to have the fight. I don't want to have the fight right now that I know this is going to start into by saying that's not how this works. And this was a much less experienced Brett. And now I would say, hey, hey, hang on, hang on, let's just, let's use the teamwork rules. Let's just clear this up. We've got a method. We need to make this fair. Everyone be cool. Where younger Brett would have been like, oh, fuck that guy. If you think she's going to muscle in on this territory, that's just bullshit. I'm just not going to include his roles. <laughs> fuck, you won't even know. I went, wow. <laughs> but I've done it. <laughs> and, I, and I know other people still do it. And sometimes that's the, that's just the way your group is going to operate. And that's just how you work, but I can, you, it can be done. Do you ever do that, Sean? Have you done that? And, and they just keep digging around like this. So my favorite things from uh trailer, trailer Cthulhu actually has a little card you can probably says scene. 
And when they're done, instead of letting people just dick around, you can hold it up. This is scene, move on, people. I think skilled dogpiling can be destructive, though. And the reason I say that is that all the things we just talked about, the specialist can't be the specialist. You know, the, the person who's really good at something doesn't get to at least take the lead. You know, if the scientist is really good trying to do her science thing and your Marine comes up and just rolls medicine, happens to roll a little bit better, why not just give the Marine then to say, hey, I found this. Is this any good? You go, oh, my God. And the science character gets to look over and see the Marine holding the bottle that says this is the answer, right? <laughs> oh, well, fuck, yeah, that works. Blug, blug, blug. It makes the stuff together. So you can narrate your way through this stuff. By if everybody chooses to roll in, they don't get to do the final cool thing, perhaps, right? Where the Marine finds the bottle or the whatever in your mothership game, but they get to say, is this any good? I found this. This might be useful to you. Well, that's like on last episode with Low Fantasy Gaming. Like the person that's got the, you know, that's their shtick, they get to re-roll and spend the points. The other person who doesn't, doesn't get to do it. They still get to make the check. Mm -hmm. They just don't get to do it again. And so that's a nice, I think that's still kind of a nice balance. Like, all right, fine, whatever. Because it's, and it's in the rules. So it's not like this, I get to try as many times as I want, even though, let's just face it, we as game masters can say, no, 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 that's not, not going to work that way. We're, I'm putting the kibosh down, you know, because the rule zero or whatever. Plus, going back to what you were saying, Brett, the, the problem is with, well, why can't the barbarian just do that? They can, and I Granted, they find it and they hold it up or whatever, or the Marine does. Mm -hmm. The other caveat is it's it's contrary to what, okay, what about party balance? And Brett goes, well, I don't need fighter, magic user, thief, cleric in a party. Like, right? You would say yeah, that. Yeah, yep, you right? can say that. But at the same time, you would say, well, in order to be good at magic, you've got to have somebody in the party that knows magic. Mm -hmm. And then when they're not there... Nobody can make a skill check because, well, they don't know magic. So, so then you get in, then you get into this pickle where it's like, well, so what used to be like, well, I don't want party balance to be an issue. And now it's like, well, it is now. Well, I thought it was okay, but now I'm making it a big deal. So there's also that side of the fence where you could really get into a pain in the ass. Yeah. My, my thief, my arcane trickster happens to have a really kick-ass arcana role. Sure. As good, if not better, than the sorceress, just because I happen to have a really a better intelligence than she does, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way I roll, which is the way I put my stats. So, yeah, you're right. In a game where you don't have all the right niches filled, and then you need people to add in, or they're supplementing, supplement niche roles or whatever the case is. I think that's a great opportunity to use those teamwork mechanics, or to tell people like, look, each get to roll, you need four successes to find all the answers. All all five players roll and they get three. They've got three pieces of the puzzle. They're missing the fourth. And it depends how bad the how bad they failed to get enough successes, right? Maybe they actually burnt one. Maybe they stepped on it. Maybe they flushed it down the toilet. Maybe they smoked it. Who fucking knows what they did? But it's gone. They don't have it anymore. They have you know, a piece of the history, an idea about what the antidote is, the name of the guy who made the antidote, but they don't know where the fuck his, his stuff is. Shit. We lost that. God damn it. We gotta search harder. 
Yes, it would be a lot easier if you had somebody who was a biochemist who could have just figured this out for you, but you don't have them with you, do you? So you got to piece it together. So instead of a dog piling out, like, do I succeed? Do I succeed? Instead of breaking it down to a one role decides, you can have a chain of roles decide in a case like that, you know, give me two arcana checks. You're trying to fill a void that you don't have. Well, enough of us, we know a little bit about religion here. Um, I've got a best religion check of three. All right. Between you and the Kenku Rogue, you guys put your heads together and you remember this much. Huh. Okay. It's not the answer. It's part of the answer or a hint or a glimpse, which can be some fancy footwork for Game Master sometimes, right? I almost think that if you have somebody that is going to not, say, be the expert or have the specialization and they make a skill check, if they fail, the the consequences are worse than the person that specializes in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you take what you just said, I like that idea, because if you take what we just said about, or I should say you just said about uh, low fantasy, right? Yeah. If you don't get a reroll and you fail, you fucked it up. Yeah. Right. So if you're not the master arcanist, if you're not the biochemist, if you're not the the king priest of the Church of Poseidon, guess what? You uh, you burned it. You lost it. You garbled the data. You're like, oh, it's clearly east. And it's not. <laughs> you had the map upside down because you're a moron. You forgot that the dwarves always put west at the top and not the other way or whatever. That was actually a thing. Um, oddly enough, a bit of weird trivia, but in The Hobbit, Thorne's map, I think, had west at the top because that's how they always did they always said the the map was kiltered differently uh-huh. north was not top of map it was off so anyway point being is that if you didn't realize that you look at them like oh this is obviously north of here travel 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 motherfucker if anybody would have had the dwarven lore guy the historian the bard or the ranger you would have said ah dwarven map that's on the map, uh, to your right is north. Turn the map sideways. Oh, I get it now. But no one was there to figure that out for you. So you fucked up. You spent a week burning rations out in the wilderness. Now I get that. I like that idea. Because that's a consequence then that you don't have the thing. It's a risk to not have that expertise with you. I like that idea. Yeah, man. Use that. Run with it. People. Yeah, just I, I think those these ideas and this type of thing, if nothing else, how you want to deal with skill skill dogpiling, skill checks, you rely solely on the mechanics, do you have house rules, whatever, tell us about it and how you're doing it. Because I think any and all these ideas can be really good. And it all depends, as Sean would say, on your game group, how, what they like, what you like as a game master and what flows. And sometimes it depends on the game system. Some game systems may have beautiful teamwork mechanics that just sing for you and do everything you want to do in the types of stories you're telling. Other times, you might have to wing it a little bit. So, anyway, I think what we had is some good rules a thumb to try to apply, so shall we, sir? Yeah, we shall. Let's get into die roll. Die roll! Two to four miscellaneous points, gaming and geekery we want to share with you. Yeah, baby! I threw the first one out there. It's the skilled dogpiling video by Matt Colville. So that's out there. Go over there. Watch him on the YouTubes. You can see some stuff. What do you got, Sean? Uh, the Warden, Todd, Broken Ruler Games, Crapper, mentions Jacob Woods' site, Accessible Games. 
Oh, does that go to our comment from before? It does go to the comment from before in Random Encounter where he, in the forum, said, hey, this guy's doing accessible games. And I just noticed on his blog he was doing something for the PIP system. Yes. So Very cool. Yeah. So check that out. Uh, number two, D&D movie adds Marvel producer to the project. Uh, source at Gamer Rant. So, <laughs> well, uh, let's see. See, Let's see uh, how bad that sucks. I my my the comment that was a little scary for me was like it's a light adventure story or a light adventure lighthearted something like that like the verbiage in the article quoted by like the producer or the director I'm like oh garbage garbage oh my god my, you and I have talked about this before and I still hold to this that if you want a D and D movie it needs to be a Forgotten Realms Greyhawk. Dragonlance. It needs to be a movie in the setting with D and D stuff ish happening, if that. Or don't do any of that. I don't know. Just go watch Lord, <laughs> just go watch Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or some whatever is your fancy. Watch one of those. Yeah. Last, last one. On. Get a chance to play D and D with Joe Manganiello. It's for charity, people. It's for the Make a Wish. Head to Omez. And then if you haven't looked at the video that Joe puts on, it's pretty pretty amusing. Um, so it's like twenty bucks and you twenty five bucks and you get like two hundred and fifty entries into the drawing. I I met Joe at GaryCon first uh what the second year he was there selling t shirts and stuff. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go meet this guy. I'm gonna get my picture with him. My wife thinks he's super cool, so I'm gonna do this thing. He was one of the most approachable people. <laughs> it was like, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, good. It was just like if he didn't have like stuff to do with a line of people behind me, I, I felt like I could have just, hey, you want to get a beer? <laughs> I was like, he had, that, he had that total approach. So he was a pretty cool dude to talk to. It was nice. Variety was did. Uh, they did a video on YouTube, and then also Variety did an expose on Joe's gaming group, which included like Tom Morello the big show. Yeah, Rage Against the Machine, the big show, and uh, Vince Vaughn was another guy. I still, so this so. is, I'm going to say this now. I've heard, I've already seen it in little pieces and parts in the Twitterverse, that celebrities are ruining our hobby. Oh, have you seen that already? Yeah, I've seen oh, that in places. It's, it's that like, well, everyone wants it to be Matt Mercer's game. This is not Critical Role. He's wrecked every game, blah, blah, blah. Okay, if, if that is your approach, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I, that's that's kind of my my general approach. To that like, really, really, that's that's what's ruining your game. Is that really? That's well, what's they, ruining. They the, played the fun before you're they were celebrities. Yeah, I know. It's I just mean, it's just hilarious to me when people will say this this thing has wrecked my hobby. You mean the you mean the hobby that you've been playing with the same five people for right. the last thirty years? Yeah. And you are still playing second edition. What what fucking got wrecked? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing got wrecked. Nothing is wrecked. It's fine. Stop it. Fuck off. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. Uh, it's so weird. Anyways, uh, what do we got planned for next week, brat? I'm not sure, man. I got a couple different ideas. And, uh, well, we'll, well, we'll figure something out. I'll hit you up with them outside of here. I'm not sure yet. I got... I have two ideas, but I don't want to talk about them now. I want to the throw my suspense chair. is killing me. I know. It's, impo it's important to keep you in suspense because then when you show up, you're like, I don't even know what to say. Fair. Yeah, I know. It, it helps It helps me It helps me kind of own the show more this way. If we wow. Keep oh. <laughs> wow. Shit. Did I say that out loud? I said that out loud. Motherfucker. 
<laughs> Should have said that. Everybody no, knows kidding. Brett's tactics now. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, for everybody that showed up to watch us live, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Check us out. We're recording these things on video Tuesday night or Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time U.S. Uh, here on Twitch, uh, streaming to Discord. And otherwise, this is going to be coming out uh, within the week uh, to audio to you everywhere. to the masses. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Brian Kurtz, Ray Otis, Larry Hout, Mark Desaka, Pira Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValle, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Jim Fitzpatrick, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Anil Diamond, Howard Bishop, Eric Salzweedle, Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Andy Hall, David F. Playlog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Tavola, Roger Brasslett, Mark Soam, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Mike Hess, Angus, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Rory Weston, Curtis Hinson, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Huss Carl, Jason Weeb, Dollar Adventure Frameworks, aka Steve, Jared Rasher, Michael Dinos, Mike, Matt Cyberlick, Chad Glayman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, Corey Welsh, Merkel Froelich, Rich Wishon, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, and Aaron Ralia. Hey, if you've liked what you've heard in this show, tell one of your players. Have them go to gamingandbs.com forward slash subscribe. We would really appreciate it. Thanks, BSers! This, this has, has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.